So, hello and welcome to Gromcast. I've been thinking about this for some time and have finally gotten around to getting this done. I'm Mark. I'll be hosting this podcast. Uh, anyone who recognises this voice, you'll normally find me working at Rogate Bike Park as trail crew and skills instructor. If you want to know more about me, you can follow me on Instagram uh, on at supergrom83 and even better, follow at underscore grom underscore cast for all updates on this podcast. I'll be honest, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm completely new to all this podcasting stuff and I've got no budget either. But if you like chatting all things MTB with some well-known faces, some less so, riding, racing and everything in between, hopefully you will get on board with this. You're going to get straight to it. First guest on this podcast is Luke Williamson. Uh, This was recorded just after the Fort William World Cup, uh, where Luke had an absolutely blinding result. Uh, We know Luke really well. He's a Rogate local. He pretty much lives on the doorstep. Um, And this dude's just getting faster and faster. So without do it, let's get straight to it and uh, see where we go from here. Rad. So here we are then, first guest on Gromcast, we have Luke Williamson. How's it going, thank Luke? You. Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me on, on the, the premier Gromcast. The premier Gromcast, yeah, here we are. So, what a weekend. Yeah, like, we what are a weekend. sitting here on the Tuesday after the second round of the UCI Downhill World Cup, where Luke came in in 23rd, Yeah, which is pretty epic on a track like that or any result of that at the World Cup I'll be absolutely stoked with that if that was me but uh, a bit a lot of work gone into that isn't it a for sure yeah 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 yeah. Um, yeah a lot of hard work and sometimes it feels like I don't know takes a while to for it to pay off and then like this weekend all of a sudden it's all just, came together it just like, came together and the hard yeah. work kind of paid off so, sick yeah. sick well we're going to come back to Fort Bill but um I think we'll go right back to the start with you. So yeah. where did you kind of start with bikes and racing? you've got a moto background as well. Uh, so. Yeah, so my dad raced road bikes, uh, like motorbikes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So he was very good at that. Uh, I think he kind of peaked at around British superbike level. Wow. And he did a bit of like motocross and moto enduro as well. Uh-huh. So he's quite into, I guess he wanted to get me into to bikes uh-huh. um so he started me out motocrossing yeah i guess it was kind of harder to get properly into the road racing stuff at a younger age so yeah easy um, to jump on a pit bike and yeah, yeah on the on the autos to start with yeah uh did that until i think it was big wheel 85s i stopped um i was kind of i had some kind of mental health issues and i was just i fell out with it a bit yeah um so that's kind of around the time that stopped um and kind of before i completely stopped that um there was a bit of a there was a few years of kind of blending did a bit of downhill so the first time i did downhill um was actually on holiday in the alps my mum booked a holiday to to leger yeah 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 so we we went out there pretty clueless uh we brought a hardtail before going out there and my dad got lent a hardtail um i guess we were kind of thinking we'd get away with riding them out there yeah um, and i think there were some like russians staying above us where we were staying and they were kind of telling us that 
telling my dad that that <laughs> was not, not going to work out. Not the bike not to have. Not for the job. So we yeah. did, we rode them a bit, but it wasn't brilliant. Um, so yeah, we hired hired some bikes out there and I, yeah, it wasn't long before I kind of fell in love with it really. It, was, it does that It was too, so yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. No, it, um, I, I was a, I fell into it through magazines. Yeah. Shout, big shout out to my granddaddy because he used to live with my dad photography magazines way back oh, right. in the mid 90s. Yeah. I remember just leaking through the stack and I just thought, because there was something different on the spine stack, if you like. And it was a copy of MBUK. Mm. I just started flicking through that and literally, like, that afternoon, I just went and got on my bike and went riding in the woods somewhere locally to lift, and that was it. I yeah. was in deep. I couldn't get enough of it. It's kind of one of those so things good. that once you get into it, you're. Toast. So yeah, so once you started in downhill, yeah, well, it was actually it getting a bit more. So there was like a, so I did that, and then I think we enjoyed it, and we went back the next year. So I, I hadn't really in that year, I hadn't really done much. Mm -hmm. Like um, I think it was kind of the next time I rode downhill properly would have been that next year. And yeah. whilst we were out there, one of the bike shops out there was selling off some old downhill bikes yeah so we bought one of the x hire bikes mm -hmm. um i think it might have been like a part stoner one because we there was like one particular one that looked a bit healthier than the rest <laughs> and we were like we want that one so yes. yeah. yeah brought yeah. that back um and obviously having rogate literally pretty much on your doorstep. yeah still. like so close yeah um yeah, it's great to to have a bike and somewhere to go and ride it. Yeah, exactly. So let's go back to Rogate for a minute, because obviously, as our listeners are going to find out, I work at Rogate. That's where I spend my yeah. working week, digging and coaching and doing all the things that go and running a bike park. So what was your kind of first times at Rogate and first memories of Rogate like? So I like, actually went there when I was really young. I was probably on like a fully rigid mountain bike or something, mm -hmm. but I didn't. I didn't really go there much when I was that age, but yeah. there were some kind of really distant memories back then of it, but yeah. didn't really, like at that age, everything would have seemed really big and I wouldn't yeah. have known what I was doing. So it didn't really, it's kind of weird. It, it didn't, um, I don't know, we just didn't really go down there or see that much of it, it felt like. Yeah. Obviously there was this cool thing on the side of the road that, yeah when we drove past but um yeah just it wasn't until i got into it properly that yeah started actually started going down there lots and getting yeah. into it into the scene and stuff yeah yeah exactly because sam was probably around for imagine most of that at that point. um quite possibly yeah. like i say i was uh, at that age i, I just so didn't young. really know what was going on it was just this cool place <laughs> this that place had some on my doorstep crazy stuff on it yeah yeah Cool. So um, when did your first kind of serious attempts at downhill racing start to start um, to happen? I did a FOD mini downhill. Yep, classic. I'm Perfect not place sure, to start. Not sure what year that was. I think that might that might well have been when I was still racing motocross. Yep. Um, so yeah, that was because that was one of the races where they had a rippers category. Yep. So although I was about to move up into juvenile. Yep. Um, yeah, they had a rippers category, so I could go and race there. Nice. Um, so that was cool. I think I got fourth there. Um, nice. Actually, I think there were some guys that I still race now doing that one. So Brilliant. Chris Cummings. Um, yeah, Chris Cumming was there and um, James Elliott, I think. 
Mm -hmm. So they both beat me. I can't remember who who else would have been there, but yeah. It's quite cool actually. Seeing um, a few names. So yeah, Chris had come over from Ireland. Um yeah. and I think James had come down from up north. Yeah, is Chris um, is Chris on the Comte Newt proof team? Yeah, Chris, done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. Chris is on yeah. that team. So yeah. He's still still going at still it. It's pretty cool. It. Good lad. Um yeah. yeah, the boys are still racing. That's pretty rad. So what was the first kind of proper thing? I think the first time I met you was around the time I like properly was around the time I started working at Rogan. I think you're on the Afton Academy on the trek. Yeah, so that was probably... like the first I, I guess big yeah. big thing for me. Um the year before um I'd had some coaching from Harry Malloy and he helped me get a mm. bit of a little deal on a solid, but it was just like a yeah. you know, a tiny bit of of money off, I think. Yeah. Um and uh they were linked with I think it was reverse components. Yeah. So we just got a little bit of discount and it got us a, a decent bike to race on. Um, so yeah, I got, I think I, yeah, I got some decent results there. I think I got a win maybe in Juvenile. Mm -hmm. So I had, I had something to, some results there. Um, and then we had a very good connection with Dan Brown. The, yep. The team manager at the time so yeah. um my uncle so so my dad's sister got married to someone called richard sparks um who knows dan brown very well yeah um so there was a nice little connection there mm -hmm. um and eventually they kind of they hooked me up with a bike um and then it went from there gave me a load of kit and nice we went and did a, a launch at Dovey, mm -hmm. um, and that was like a dream come true at the time. Cause yeah, that's um, quite a trip that for was, someone yeah, young, and exactly. obviously the Afton name is a I big one. Like I don't think sport. you could, in terms of like all the gear and bikes and like mm -hmm. what what they were giving me in terms of support for my age was like you really, struggle yeah. to find that elsewhere no. i think so no exactly and you so know that you're racing cool. on something pretty solid the trek sessions always been i think it was like solid bike for it was like a nine grand bike at the time or mm -hmm. something so yeah that was like pretty mad yeah christmas come early on that one mm. yeah i would be running around like headless chicken through sheer excitement at that age yeah like that was landing pretty cool. a deal like that so how long were you on nefton uh for? two years two years yeah cool um Whilst I was in youth, yeah. yeah. Okay, so then after that, I think you moved up to juniors and was straight onto propane. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Cool. So how was the propane years? Because that was with Ben Reed team. Manager. Yeah, Reedy yeah. was managing that then. Yeah. Um, it was challenging, I'd say. Yeah. Um, just like a big jump mm -hmm. to the World Cups. Yeah. Um, Massive step up. I've been I've had such good years in youth mm -hmm. and kind of I was so confident of my pace there. And then just, I don't know, you just don't realise until you get to a World Cup how ridiculous check. the level is. No, and there's all these like European guys that you just don't really know of. And mm -hmm. yeah, um, so the, the first race I had actually went well. Um, I think I got, I think it was eighth at Maribor. Mm -hmm. And then the second one in Fort William, I didn't qualify. And that was, I was pretty gutted about that. Um, I remember like 
I think I was saving my legs a tiny bit on the motorway or something, and I felt like such an idiot when I didn't yeah. qualify. Just um, like should have just yeah. given it everything. Um, so I, I hadn't long come back from an injury then, but it was still like a bit of a, a wake-up call. Like, this is actually, you need to put a race run into qualifying. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I had some I had some good teammates on that team. Mm -hmm. uh, Rudy Cabaru, yep. Joe Smith, um, yep. and Henry Kerr. Yep. And then the second year I was with them, I had George Brannigan mm -hmm. and Luke Meyer-Smith, yep. and then Henry Kerr again. Mm -hmm. So some real good lads Solid on that team. Solid bunch of pinners there. Yeah. Like, yeah. They, were, they were good fun on that team. Yeah. Um, it does help, doesn't it? Yeah. I think there's, I think I gather like different team environments suit everyone. Yeah. Like everyone kind of looks, I think it's like the Santa Cruz Syndicate is like the kind of slight party vibe going yeah. on. I think it's a bit different this year, but mm. I, you know, I think everyone's probably got their own kind of way of working yeah. within stuff. And uh, yeah, it's good, just good to have good people around you. So after propane, it was the shop deal, I suppose, with the 555 setup. Yeah. yeah. So I was at that point, um, I guess that was another learning curve year. Mm -hmm. For me, or that kind of off season, um, I've been I've been given contacts and stuff, and I kind of had this idea in my head that I'd just get all these sponsors and have this like really <laughs> nice setup, and I'd just have to deal with being a privateer. But I'd yeah. get all these, I'd somehow manage to get all these brands to work with that I'd want, and it's not that easy. No, um, you you write do a lot of writing emails and you don't always get a response and not everyone can help, especially the time I was doing it. Um, yeah. I think it was, it took a bit of time before I was kind of, before it was for sure that I was not going to have a deal with propane mm -hmm. that following year. Yeah. So at that, at that time of the year, it's quite late to go and find sponsors. Yeah. I think um, uh, Katie Winton found herself in the same position with, yeah, I mean, on the sort of the EWS side of things, mm. and then we did the privateer thing, and then obviously that's led on to a current place on GT. But yeah, that seems to be a pretty tough game for anyone who's yeah, um, especially if you're not literally up there results wise. Yeah, <laughs> like that's at it. The top of it, you're probably all right because people want you on the team. Mm. But when you're pushing to get there, the struggles seem huge. Yeah. yeah. So I did. I had some. Yeah. Thankfully, I, I did have some people approach me and also some of the contacts I had, um, you know, I'm really thankful that they managed to, to mm -hmm. offer me what they did. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Mark from Orange Fox Bikes got mm -hmm. in contact with me that he was setting up uh, a UCI team. Mm -hmm. So he he was the dad of Douglas Goodwill, yep. um, who's our the junior rider on the team mm -hmm. and then Roy Brannan, Ryan Brannan's dad, mm -hmm. um, he was another, he was kind of the other, other guy helping manage what was going on with the team. Yep. And then the final rider they had was Callum McBain. What they didn't have was the UCI points to set the team up. So having the opportunity to have me on board meant that um, they could set the team up basically. Yep. Um, and it was good for me because I had, you know, pits and some support at the races, which was good. Yeah. Just the back of um, the so there wasn't, 
you know, we didn't have a whole lot of support last year in terms of team sponsors, but it did mean that I could go and work with some personal sponsors myself. Mm -hmm. So, um, Dan Clark from Privateer Bikes and Hunt Wheels got in contact with me um, and managed to get a deal with them, which was nice. Those yep. guys were super helpful. Mm -hmm. um, and then put together some other bits, um, had some support from Rentful, Crank Brothers, mm -hmm. um, trying to think who else now. I, I don't know whether I'm, I'm missing anyone now, but yeah just some a bit of product support to help yeah um it's a small expense like even things like shoes kit <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, there's it. a lot of money wrapped up in stuff that yeah I'm guessing people don't necessarily think about no. so getting into this season then it changed from the outside looking in it looks like it changed up a bit gear for yeah that team. Um, raw coming on board yeah i think raw have been a, a massive help like we're still a um obviously a a low budget team we've not really got any proper financial support mm -hmm. but we're all coming on board has been so helpful mm -hmm. um they've been able to offer us frames so they're our, our frame sponsor now but that's mm -hmm. only like a tiny piece of the what they're able to offer yeah so for us um we've got you know we've got a good frame that they're able to offer us mm -hmm. and also their engineer comes to the races with us and mm -hmm. he's great so he he's nice. the engineer he knows what he's doing with the bike so he can get the bike working great yeah yeah also he's like i don't know he's a he's such a great mechanic um he's literally like he's almost like a psychologist to be honest he just has this <laughs> he has something about him that he's just yeah. able to to get us in the right headspace um and then he he actually does some work for Pink Bike as well, so oh, okay. he knows some good people. Mm -hmm. um, and not only that, but Roar of I think they've they've probably got a bigger um, audience or following than than the team had. So mm -hmm. they've what they've been able to do is kind of bring some attention to the team. I think so. Yeah. Um, we've also been working with Net Performance. Mm -hmm. um, so Paul's been trying to help um, find some some other potential sponsors for us. Uh, I've also been able to kind of help get the team on, so the the whole team are on Renthal now, mm -hmm. which is cool. Yeah. Um, another one of my sponsors, Uncrafted, is now going to help out with some gear for the team. Mm -hmm. So. Um, I saw KJ rocking the kit as well. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, um, I think she's got a personal deal with them as well. But mm -hmm. uh, the other, the other two boys are going to get hooked up with some, some trousers, and I'm not sure whether. Um, so yeah, like, it's a lot going to. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> so yeah, I've got some some really good good sponsors that are helping out, um, and then yeah, we've got some other other sponsors on the team that we're kind of hoping at some point we'll get some stuff off um mm -hmm. so yeah hopefully hopefully that works out yeah um so I think a it's lot just, of teams are waiting for it's COVID just big stuff to catch big up. delays on yeah. stuff yeah like um so we're meant to be fox supported this year um yeah. we've not actually got parts from the, them yet but mm -hmm. um we are supposed to be which yeah. is good it's not a case of 
they're not they just can't, <laughs> can't yeah i think like, i think hopefully we should get mm. some stuff from them because yeah i'm i'm definitely keen on the, the fox stuff yeah um, yeah because you've ridden fox products for most of your racing career um, what are you on a propane uh that was rock shocks okay. and then ext one year as well yeah um so yeah and then um dt swiss but um We've not managed to get rims off of them yet. I mm -hmm. think they're struggling with supply as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Hopefully. Tough times. Yeah, after it a track is. Like a weekend like Fort William. That's it. Yeah. So Mark's been. Are... Mark runs a shop, and we've been we've been getting rims through him. So. Okay. Yeah, just one of those things. It's it's difficult for. Yeah, we're just just a small team, and I guess we're maybe not at the top of the. The list um mm -hmm. and it was perhaps like later arranged and so the teams that already have those sponsors in place uh, mm -hmm. you know they probably managed to get their stuff and where we're maybe maybe we've come in a bit later mm -hmm. um, and they just haven't really got got the stuff they yeah. haven't got all this the the stock to give away yes yeah. it's the idea they've been giving us so mm -hmm. yeah Makes sense, makes sense. Tough times for everyone, really. So going back to the bike then and the raw deal, um, obviously because you've been on a few bikes now, certainly if I'm guessing from a race perspective, yeah. you know what you want from a bike, mm -hmm. how you want to be on the bike. Coming onto like a new frame like raw, where, what's your starting point for right new bike? How am I going to get this up to yeah. race? So I'll be, I'll be completely honest. Mm. When I heard, um, so I was on the phone to Mark, and there was all this stuff going on about kind of so so Paul from Net Performance had been kind of working away trying to find sponsors and mm -hmm. and then so I was on the phone to Mark and he eventually told me who they had this um, like potential deal with mm -hmm. and it was Raw and I I didn't really know much at all about the brand and I was kind mm -hmm. of like oh this is I don't know about this risky like, yeah <laughs> like who are they. Um, and then I read into it and read some reviews and it was talking about like how well they're, it was like their trail bike and yeah, bike cornered and, and yeah, yeah. then I, then you read into it and the, the engineer's like ex-Scott and now I've got to know the engineer. I know that he'd worked on the, like, um, the early phases of what's the new gambler now. Mm -hmm. Um, so he's got, he had experience doing that and I think he also, has learned from that and he knows like what could be perhaps improved from that to go on to the next bike and okay but at the time when i first found out i didn't really know this kind of stuff and it was yeah. a bit of a shock and but then a, yeah it was a bit of a wait as well until we got hold of the bike mm -hmm. um again because of all this kind of like supply delay from... well it was actually some of it was was just I think it was either like Brexit or COVID, the bikes just got stuck in customs, um, customs yeah. for a bit of time. So it was around a month before Lords, I think we had the bikes. Um, Not a lot of time to get so up I was, to Yeah, get I was getting worried, but yeah. Um, yeah, first day on the bike, it wasn't like, I think the setup was a long way off, but I did notice when I got on it, like how well it cornered and stuff. And there was just, yeah. I kind of knew then that if we could get, like for example, the rear shock set up mm -hmm. properly, um, that there was a, a lot of room to make this bike a fast bike. Mm -hmm. um, 
just because yeah there were there were places you could go with it to yeah to make it a good fight yeah that was it yeah cool so first time that was you went out to loser uh, so I went to, the first time I rode that was Langoflin mm-hmm. um, on a really wet day. Or it might have even been snowing, in fact. Perfect. But, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Standard Welsh. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, we had a team camp out in Loser and had the bike working really well there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then did a race in Taruco, which went pretty well as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and then turned up in Lords and... I think we felt we had a good set up and then my qualifying run I was I think it was just so much faster than my practice run. Uh yeah. it's like minimal uh practice there. Yeah, I'm gonna kind of slightly divert from the bike yeah. topic now. We're gonna go, I think, back to the racing because Lords had mm. issues yeah. <laughs> with the uplift. I went out to see it a few years ago and I remember yeah. that funicular I don't remember queuing for the nuclear at any point. To be no. fair, I was drinking a lot of beer that weekend, yeah. so memories are fuzzy, but it was not the same situation. Whereas, no. so talk us through the race weekend, literally from track walk, quali- like track walk, practice, qualifying, just so, how it was. Track walk, like, I don't know, first impressions of the track was like, it was so gnarly. I was thinking, it's, like, this is going to be the gnarliest thing I've yeah. ever ridden. The first visit for me for it was 2016. Yeah. Think, yeah, Gwyn won that on his first year on my team. Right. And I'd rocked up. Uh, so I'd gone over to meet some friends who live in Toulouse, driven over. We mm. got there just after qualifying, sort of post-track walk. So um, in between harassing all of the, the famous names, yeah. walking around on track and let my mate Vaughan, who knows Bren quite well, um, actually seeing that track, it was like, this is pretty mm. hectic. Seeing yeah. some features on that track for the first time in real life, even like that big boulder into the lower woods. On the live feed, it looked like a fairly... Yeah, the boulder's a thing, but the whole run into it was like, it's just mm. flat drop, big hits. That whole track was just a bit of an eye-opener. Yeah. Really. Um, so, yeah, it, it did ride a lot nicer than it looked in track walk. Mm-hmm. So that was nice. But first day was not good for me. So, mm-hmm. uh, like, some of the people listening might have seen, like, the Instagram <laughs> stuff. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, there were some massive cues because it's, yeah. it's the funicular yeah it's literally just got two of these like train yeah um, carriages yeah. carriages going one going up and one going down at the same time um and when you've got as many riders as you get at a world cup now yeah. um yeah it was just not enough so much queuing mm-hmm. um i got two practice runs in the first day one of which uh i think it was two yeah mm-hmm I think one of which, so I had a big crash and then it caused a mechanical issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of had, yeah, I had one good run and then one run where I had to kind of cruise down halfway. Yeah. Um, and it was, yeah, that was kind of tough. I, I yeah. did manage to keep it together mentally, just mm-hmm. about, but I wasn't very happy. I was I was definitely stressing. I was waiting in the queue, kind of hoping the bike was going to be ready, and and it wasn't. Um, unfortunately, so I just had to go up and do what I could in terms of looking at the track and mm-hmm. figuring out what to do. Yeah. Then the next day, I got, I did manage to get up the hill three times in practice. Um, mm-hmm. But again, that was a tough day. I got, I think I got a good run in. And then 
punctured near the top. And then the next one, <laughs> I had a massive crash. Um, so yeah, it was it was a really, really tough weekend. Um, and yeah, it was just all this queuing stuff. And yeah. like, I'm not going to lie, there was some kind of queuing techniques going on in the end. But <laughs> if you weren't... If you weren't in on them, you were at even more of a disadvantage because, yeah. you know, you'd have people queuing for you. And then yeah. if you didn't have someone queuing for you, then it was even worse for you. So mm -hmm. um, It's a lot of time to be stood in a queue. It and is, it was yeah. pretty decent weather as well. So just sitting mm. in the sun for an hour and a half or however long it that's took it. in that queue, and that's then not what you need. Not only that, but... Um, so um like race runs or, mm -hmm. or qualifying um yeah. sorry uh people were struggling to get up for their qualifying runs in time oh well so that was quite stressful like, i remember you know there were some people getting off that funicular that literally they were right. going straight to the the start line Whoa. and they were they were stressing yeah it was not a, a nice situation to be in at all no um so yeah that was a weird one uh, my qualifying run, I went, I think it was like 17 seconds quicker yeah. than the full practice run I'd done. So kind of going back to the bike, it just, we just didn't really have it in the right place. When you're going that much quicker, it's just like... Everything changes. That's it, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that bit more <clears throat> aggression, I was just, yeah, we didn't quite have the setup um, yeah. dialed so in for that sort of... Going riding. back to setup, and obviously, how much setup do you do relative to like the course you're riding? So, obviously, I know mean, Monson and compared to Lords. Yeah. Is there a change in approach to setup in terms of um, what everything position setup? Yeah, like? I guess I guess there is for me. Um, I feel like I've learned recently that that there is because I have been playing around with the bike a bit. Mm -hmm. um, I know some people are like, you just want to go couple clicks either way mm -hmm. um, whatever but um even like your your bar height um like moving the crowns the top mm -hmm. crowns up and stuff like that um just playing around with those sorts of things um so yeah the bike i've got now i'd say is probably more sensitive probably quite a lot more sensitive to the than the bike i had the year before less um, is more with this one then yeah, yeah. so you kind of you you really do want to get it dialed in. Yeah, because you're on the E Supreme before, yeah. weren't you? Yeah. yeah. Um, Privateer's choice, it would seem, at the moment. Everyone yeah. seems to be pretty, um, pretty sorted on that and one. And I think just perhaps the way it works, uh, mm -hmm. you could maybe get away with a bit more... Um, you could be a bit more lenient with the setup. Yeah. Um, so you've got to be a little bit more fine-tuned with the raw. Yeah, yeah, I'd say okay. so. Um, yeah. You can feel a change more on mm -hmm. the raw, I'd say. Yeah. Um, but actually, this this past weekend in Fort William, because um, I'd done the national race before, mm -hmm. um, we'd actually had some time to get it dialed in. Mm. So you were up there doing a bit. It's quite a lot of people doing. Also with the national, a lot of people up there testing. Yeah. So I <clears throat> don't think I really changed a whole lot other than played around like a little bit with tire pressures. Um, I think my my settings had somehow <laughs> ended up where they shouldn't be and we put them yeah. back to to what they should be. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, there wasn't really a whole lot to do there, thankfully, because a lot of the track was, was similar. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, um, I guess we'll see for the next race. Yeah, what, uh, happens. what needs changing? Yeah. But um, with Fort William being quite a flat, kind of fast, like rough track, um, I guess you know you might end up with a lower front end, like faster rebound kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just different different things for different tweaks, different yeah. tracks really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, having said that, um, from watching my race run back, it looks like I could have <laughs> could have done with a bit more air in my forks, to be honest. But <laughs> yeah, I um, as well as a bit more upper body strength. But yeah, it's a tough one. I, mean, yeah. I remember my the last World Cup I went to was that Lords one way back in twenty sixteen, yeah, yeah. and even then, just absolutely amazed by setup on some of the bikes. Like mm. Gwyn's bike was one of the stiffest things I've ever. Yeah, seen. I think it's and just it's the amount similar. of gym work that you need to be doing to even be in a position to hold on to a bike like mm. that at that pace. Yeah, it's pretty mind blowing. Yeah, really. I think it's similar now if you look at um, like Amory and Tebow's bikes mm -hmm. now. You look at them and they look so stiff. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess it seems to work for them at, at race pace because mm -hmm. perhaps you're not going to have those issues with no when you're going with the that bike fast, diving. Yeah, I think they're yeah. super strong boys as well. Uh, yeah, we, there's a lot of a lot of comments when Om Omri appeared kind of post recovery on Instagram mm. and he suddenly looked like Michael Phelps, yeah. like these huge like laps. <laughs> it's and it's crazy, like, yeah. he wasn't ever a, a small dude, but no. now he's like he just looks like a complete beast. Mm. <laughs> like yeah, he's quite a unit. Yeah, um, and with his riding style, I'm still yeah. always, every now and then I'll still go back and watch his 2019 from Leger race run because mm. that was just yeah. I remember <laughs> I've watched that head cam and there's a moment there where you can see his front wheel is like I think it's gone gone completely over a rut. Yeah, and he's just going so fast. It's it like just doesn't it doesn't matter. doesn't phase him at all. But. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. How you approach track that? So going back to Fort William then, starting off Fort William. Obviously, I'm assuming we came into this weekend kind of feeling feeling better anyway because we had a bit yeah. of, you, the bike setup's kind of down. Mm -hmm. We've got a bit few. We got racing under the belt because we've had yeah. how many races have you done this year? Um, I'm trying to think now. So I did got that. a few nationals. Yeah, Bill, yeah, a couple of nationals. Yeah. I had the race in loser, the race in Lords, and there was a gravity events at Riola as well. So mm -hmm. I did, yeah, good bit of bike time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we get to Fort William track walk. A lot of it's Fort William. Yeah. Um, so they they'd smoothened some stuff out at the top. Mm -hmm. So like first practice, although it was a bit gravelly. The pace was so high at the top. Mm -hmm. um, I think from the start to, to the deer gate, well, the, I think the deer gate's gone now, but yeah. they've still got the little cattle grid bit. Yeah. Um, my practice pace was like the same as my race pace at the National, just where the track was running so fast. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, they had that different bit in the middle, which was kind of like the main bit, I guess I would have been, that would have been in my head. Because yeah. that was something that that I was going to have to learn to go fast on. I knew I could yeah. ride the rest of the track fast, mm -hmm. but and I think that bit ended up being one of the more you know the new bits were probably the more challenging bits. Um, yeah. They were just yeah a bit more techy, less flat out, or just kind of bashing through rocks. Yeah, yeah. So kind of talk us through like how you approach new bits in tracks or new tracks in general because it's one I a I'm not as fast as you on a bike mm. but one of the reasons why the few races I did do um 
my main failing was just remembering tracks and learning yeah. them properly. I could always like spot a fast line, but mm. the amount of times on a race run, even local stuff like the old Gravity Project, one yeah. from around a years ago, shout out to Mr. Adam Bowden, um, now down at Edge Cycles. Um, I just couldn't remember stuff, little bits. Yeah. Once I make one little mistake, it all kind of goes, mm. <laughs> it always go to pot and I couldn't pull it back. So what's your kind of like track walk through practice kind uh, of process for getting I that? guess, so some of it's probably experience. Mm. Um, I feel like for some reason I'm quite good at remembering tracks now. Yeah. Um, like I could probably remember a lot of a track after track walk. Mm -hmm. It's just the bits on some tracks you get some bits that look kind of the same. almost the same yeah yeah uh, and it's those bits that are a bit harder to remember sometimes but generally uh if you've got like a gopro someone else's gopro to work off of from mm -hmm. um times past yeah you can kind of figure some stuff out from that mm -hmm. uh, learn a bit of the track from that and then track walk really just try and I guess sometimes I forget to, but sometimes it's good to memorize what where you've got to as you go down. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, you, you really just kind of analyze the track, look at your options, what looks best. And then also, I guess sometimes you, you've got to ride the track to, to really yeah. figure it out because sometimes a line looks good and it doesn't quite work. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think I've just got generally quite good at remembering a track now. Good. I was never good at that. No. <laughs> like, I always struggled with it. I misspent youth, memory shot to bits. Mm. So once you got the practice out of the way, qualifying then, how was qualifying Fort Bill? Uh, so that was one I didn't want to get like too overconfident for. Mm -hmm. I think I wasn't actually that nervous for that one compared to, to other World Cups. I think mm -hmm. I just knew that I'd probably be all right. Um, so yeah, uh, I was still a bit surprised when I crossed the finish line and I was mm -hmm. 16th. That um, was, there was a little ripple around, obviously I was on the hill at Rogate. Yeah. So we, we obviously had a fairly big deal at our place. We had round two of the Route, mm. the route 1 race series on the Sunday. Um, and that Saturday afternoon, once the qualifying results started coming through, there's a little ripple of, Luke's got inside the top 20. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> it was like running around. Yeah, I did hear and, um, a, a bit about quite that. a bit of excitement. Yeah. Like, and of course everyone starts going around who else has made the mm. car obviously Ethan got in and yeah but, Ethan was 14th I yeah think, so. it's the same because obviously both you guys in yeah. Nords you were so close mm. to making the main show yeah. both of you were on like the same seconds like there's not a lot I think I was you. a second off and Ethan like Ethan was in front of me again mm. there like super close yeah so yeah yeah frustrating when you're not <laughs> when you just that That's especially it. after a weekend like Lords with all yeah. of those issues and nothing mm. working out so yeah, crossing the line is 16th yeah. was a pretty That was that was pretty mad. Yeah. I was I was happy with that. Um and then so some of the other boys were coming down like mm -hmm. the for example the guys that had the British cycling jerseys. Mm -hmm. Um and that was that was a pretty cool vibe because those guys yeah. were coming down, those guys got through my mm -hmm. teammate Ryan Brannan, that was his first Elite World Cup. Yeah. He got through, and yeah, it was it nice. was it was a yeah. pretty mad kind of vibe at the yeah. at the finish line. That obviously, was that was really cool. First time qualifying that well mm. for you, and also you've got so you've now got to the point where you think you're feeling pretty comfortable on the bike, and you know where you're at with self yeah. and changing stuff. 
you've just had an absolute belter of a qualifying run, mm. and now all your bros are coming down, yeah. <laughs> and everyone's getting in the final. There's already kind of a head of steam. Yeah. Waking up on finals morning, how does it? How I mean, I can't deal with pressure that well. Yeah. So how does that? That is quite a lot of pressure built. Yeah. Just from everyone getting through. Yeah. Um. How, what's your kind of race day routine? Because um, I'm assuming you have some way of coping. Yeah, with. so I was, I don't know, for some reason I was actually dealing quite well with the stress mm-hmm. um, this past weekend. I did get up and I was pretty tired on race day though. Um, from the rain, the like bits of the track had got soft and the, it was yeah. just so rough in the end. Um, so I was, yeah, I guess I was kind of worried about like, could I repeat? that sort of thing and yeah yeah. Uh, I kind of knew though so my qualifying run it was a great result and I tried super hard but I didn't actually ride that well Mm -hmm. Um, like I kind of tightened up and I was struggling to hold on a bit so I I knew if I could figure that out there was still actually some room to improve again yeah Unfortunately, I ended up having the same sort of issues in my my race run. Um, right, <laughs> but still, I get I gave it some, and the track was yeah, track it was, was destroyed, quite visible that you yeah. were giving it some. Yeah, <laughs> so there was a few moments where breath was held at Rogue yeah. people watching the live feed. I don't of that think one. I'd. I'm not sure. I think it all happened so quickly. I I don't think I even realised quite how sketchy it was at the mm-hmm. time. It was just like. Well, was that a, was a big a few, moment. I'll yeah, just carry it. A few <laughs> carry on. Like, well, there's probably gym work to be done, but you must have done a fair bit because that would have taken out anyone. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. That mm. was, yeah. Um, just from a, an approach in your race run, things like that would have put me right off. In terms, how do you stay that focused on what you're doing and kind of like regain composure? Is it a case of a fact that you've just blown through it? It's happened. And you're just on to yeah, the next bit. I guess so. Yeah. I think I was just, yeah. You can, you. I don't know. I've done some psychology work, and but I, I'm not sure even that, like sometimes just, yeah. So the, I guess the psychology works help me get in the zone. And then once I'm in that, yeah. that kind of bubble headspace, <laughs> yeah. you're just you're going. going at it. There's There were some moments, I think, where I was perhaps not quite so present when I'd had some of those big moments. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like I remember coming down after one of those big moments. So I know my mum had said uh, the other day, and she reminded me again on the phone, she was like, don't do anything I wouldn't do. And I was, I literally thought after that first huge moment, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I think that kind of popped into my head. But, yeah. Um, so you said there, the little comment there of not being present, is that something you've had to work for? So you said you've done a bit of psychology work, like being present in that race run the whole way down. Yeah. That can't come that easy. No. Like, how much work have you kind of had to do? There's actually just been like a, a few sessions mm. uh, with a sports psychologist and just put some little kind of techniques together. Yeah. Which have, have just been pretty helpful. Yeah. Because I... I from speaking to other races, I kind of get it. Feels like a lot of people have very much got like a process on a race weekend, mm. like different for everyone. And certainly, felt like the amount of people who were at the international field that was at the British National before 
mm. the World Cup at Fort Bill. Obviously, there's like a lot of people there just kind of like dialing their racecraft, I suppose yeah. you call it. So do you feel like, so you've, you've been doing this for a couple of years now, second season in Elite. Are you getting kind of comfortable being at that level and what you need to do to stay there and be fast I think and actually I'm, competitive? I'm, I'm starting to. Mm. I think this weekend was a good step in the right direction as well because yeah. I've kind of gained a bit of confidence from that. I know what I can do mm -hmm. now, so there's maybe a bit less fear of, yeah, what I'm actually able to, you know, what can I do yeah. um, and can I do it? Mm -hmm. um, so I've, I've put that to rest of it, but yeah, it was, I think as well, it was first time on the, on the live feed and whatever. Well, and that was going to be something I was going to be yeah. raising at some point. That's got to bring its own pressures and kind of weight mm. of expectation as well. Being on the live feed is kind of the, it's yeah. what you're aiming for. It's the, you know, it's cherry on the cake, I suppose. Yeah. But um, how was that? Just knowing that as well that, it, how does it, I couldn't put that out of my mind, the fact that now quite a lot of people yeah. <laughs> in terms so, of viewers are now watching me ride yeah. my bike as fast um, as I can. I guess I was just kind of trying to ignore, ignore kind of those outside Mm -hmm. Pressures. A bit um, difficult for Bill because those outside pressures are quite loud. Yeah. And come on with Vivazelas um, and cowbells and chainsaws. Well, that, that's actually <laughs> all right. The crowds, crowds are all right because when mm. they make enough noise, it just doesn't matter because yeah. it's just noise. Just noise. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's actually worse when you've got like one person on the hill <laughs> and you can actually hear Go what on, they're mate. saying. Or, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's it. Um, so I think, so like on race weekends, I just. Um, some of the social media stuff like i just i just delete instagram um for yeah. example just like get rid of it yeah. um uh, some of them just so it's it's not there because mm -hmm. as much as i love the support from all my friends and stuff um it's it's can't it's an it. it's an added pressure yep um so yeah uh and then also I guess something that probably took my mind off it a bit was so I was in the start uh, start hut mm -hmm. and there was side roll offs on and there, I think there was steam between like oh. the the film and yeah. the goggle mm -hmm. so he took the goggles out and I was like steamed up and then I was stressing trying mm -hmm. to get the steam off them and then there's like the the little like mud flat bit at the top yeah. that you got to get the film underneath yeah and that wasn't going under and oh. I was I think. <laughs> I was still faffing with it at like a less than a minute to go. Right. Uh, so I was big time stressing and then threw them on. Mm -hmm. um, didn't have that much time, kind of made sure I got myself back in the zone. Mm -hmm. And then went at that start bit. And I do remember thinking, like going into those first kind of fast corners, I was like, yeah. wait a moment, I'm on, the, <laughs> yeah. I'm on the live feed. Yeah. And then kind of forgot about it again and it was mm -hmm. all right. Um, I struggle with just people watching from the lift station at Fort William. Yeah. The only race I've ever done there is one of those endurance ones that I think um, no fuss events used to run where you just mm. have to get as many runs in as you can yeah. on it. And even that, I mean, it was like, it wasn't, obviously it's not like a big event, like a sort of normal downhill race is, mm. but anytime you go past people, I'm just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I need to be looking like I know what I'm doing or yeah. just feel like I need to be, you know, going fast and uh, mm. yeah, I can't quite yeah imagine what that feels like knowing especially being an absolute world cup super fan myself mm. <laughs> like knowing how much like, i think that's just one of those things it. that the good people are good at they just yeah. they thrive off of mm. 
uh, yeah, I guess pressure and the crowds and because mm-hmm. you do see certain people, they're like you get from say a national to a World Cup, and certain people just um, yeah, they just kind of step you know up. step it up big mm-hmm. time, um, and that's something I have probably struggled to do like I've maybe struggled under pressure and then you get the people that thrive under pressure yeah uh, and then not only that but the tracks are different so yeah like where the world cup tracks are more challenging you get mm-hmm. people that thrive more off the challenging track yeah um, whereas perhaps I've struggled more um, okay so yeah just kind of managed to figure those things out at mm-hmm. the weekend and it all yeah quite spectacularly came together yeah so. it wasn't the prettiest way to get down the hill but it was one way to get down no the hill. you um yeah rob and claudio were uh pretty excited in the country booth mm. <laughs> a few of those moments so getting into that finish arena uh how was there any kind of is it easy to tell by how much noise the crowd is making whether you're on a good one or not or, or uh, being British i don't know i think they just it's just yeah go but i think that's it yeah, yeah. um I think, yeah, they're just, I guess for me as well, being maybe a bit of a kind of underdog there. Yeah. It's just kind of, however I did, like, it was still, I came down into 11th, I think. Yeah. And I think it was kind of like, I was, so that was, I was going to be top 30. Like, Mm -hmm. I think the commentator might have even said, like, guaranteed top 25. So, yeah, whatever, it was like, good result for me. Mm Mm-hmm. How um, was that, literally crossing the line, realising you come down where you had, mm. knowing where you qualified and thinking, holy shit, I'm in here. <laughs> like, yeah, how, I think how it, was, was that? it was pretty cool, like, when he said about the kind of, uh, the worst position I could get was whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that was kind of a big relief yeah. um, that I'd managed to put something together. But it's weird how the brain works because even though that's by far my best elite World Cup result. Mm-hmm. I was still like, I'd gone a bit slower than the time yesterday. Uh-huh. And I knew that... There was probably some like, more out there. Yeah, yeah, especially with the fatigue I'd got as well. From Probably from above halfway, I was kind of holding on. Yeah. Uh, it was it was pretty hard. Mm. Um, yeah, so especially that kind of... Once I'd gone past the halfway point on the track, I was kind of struggling then. Uh, the track was a lot rougher, uh, so I guess it wasn't wasn't too bad. No. But I did have a bit of a, a time goal in my head that mm-hmm. and I was still still a good way off that. So Okay. In terms of like personal um kind of performance goals, I actually wasn't Quite I didn't actually, to be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, so, so I could have been. Of, I've achieved this, but I haven't achieved this. So I could have been back in, like, I don't know, in the forties somewhere, mm-hmm. and you know, like, yeah. if I'd ended up fiftieth place or something, I would have been yeah. quite annoyed because mm-hmm. I'd had a, you know, I'd been struggling. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, the result made it a nice, a nice yeah, race so for me. Actually. Yeah. yeah, or may have left a bit up there on the hill, but what I have done. Yeah, but I think that brings a bit of confidence as well, because mm. um, it means that actually going ahead. Yeah. Um, if I do have a really good run, it can it can it come can together. go well. Mm. Um, I mean, unfortunately, 
there were some big names that were out of the final mm. uh, at Fort William. Yeah, there's quite a few that didn't make the cut. I was surprised to see Brooke. Yeah. Um, I'm not fully up to speed with all of the weekend's events. I think there um, were a fair few... Rogate, but, yeah, a uh, fair few mechanical issues. Mm. Um, unfortunately, there were some... Flats in qualifying. Some, yeah, some mm. fast people out with injuries as well. Oh, so going forward, yeah. yeah, I think, you know, there's... A, I know that races coming up are going to be super hard. Yeah. Um, when everyone's when everyone's back and I'm on a track that I don't know so well. Yeah, exactly. So it's Lear Gang next. Yeah. How's that track for you? Because you've raced uh, that one before. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. I've, I have struggled there a, a bit. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, I think the first year I was there, the track was, it didn't have that new wood section. Mm -hmm. and it was like super dry. Yeah, it was quite hard to ride fast because they they tape it kind of yep. funny there. Yep. So there's like a, a kind of a main route down a lot of the that top bit mm -hmm. uh, and the motorway bit, and they kind of just kind of veer off in places. Yeah. So it's quite it's quite a hard track to ride well sometimes. Yeah, the first year I was there, I think I crashed twice in my race run, so yep. that wasn't good. But it was so dusty, like it was, yeah, it's pretty hard. Um, and then the year after world champs, um, I had a big crash on race day, I think. Yep. And that wood section's savage. So, um, you kind of just want to, I remember wanting to just save some energy to get mm -hmm. down the woods then. Uh, and then last year just missed out by about a second in qualifying, I think. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's tough there. Um, I think carrying flow through that new muddy wood sections pretty important there. I don't yeah. actually know where they're going this year. No, I haven't um, heard or seen any tidbits out on the internet. Yeah, but, so maybe if they, <clears throat> they're, I guess they're probably going through that woods again. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I don't know what the weather's going to do, but the see. wood section's it, pretty interesting. It's in the it mountains, like it, who yeah. knows. Yeah. So, um, have you got a preference of what kind of courses you feel like you do well on? Like what sort of um, what sort of stuff do you feel suits you? I think generally flat out stuff, mm -hmm. um, where it's a case of kind of staying off the brakes mm -hmm. and being like right on the edge. Yeah. Sometimes when things get a bit more techy, I I do struggle. It's something I've I think I've got maybe a bit better at um, just through riding kind of tech stuff on trail bikes. Yep. But still in a race run when I'm kind of getting worn out. Yeah. I do struggle when I get to a, a techie bit. Mm -hmm. Uh like this weekend just gone. Um all of the kind of fast rocky stuff I was I was doing okay on and then especially like in the woods, uh just kind of really struggling to carry any sort of flow. Yep. Uh so yeah, somewhere like um Fort William, or I really enjoyed Mont Saint Anne when I went there before. I mm -hmm. didn't actually do very well there, but mm -hmm. I did enjoy it. I think um, um, Mont Saint Anne's as a fan is one of my favourites to watch. Mm. I like the vital raw footage that comes out of so that. So fast, yeah, utterly insane. Watching mm. people like Brooke and G and Connor Fearing like coming coming through those yeah. open P sections is just eye opening. Yeah, it's pretty um, pretty mad there. Mm. Um, but then there are there are other tracks that. Mm. That I quite enjoy that are a bit steeper and, yeah. and more techy. Yeah. 
You've ridden Shumpery at any point? I have, yeah. yeah. I did go there, so one of the times we've been on holiday to the Alps, mm -hmm. um, I went there. The first time I went there, I think it was pretty slick uh, and it was hard to get down. Yeah. But I think now it's been smoothened out a lot. So there's like some serious support in the corners. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the World Champs track there, it's not so, if you, especially if you go there in the dry, it's not too bad to ride now. Mm -hmm. Still steep, but yeah, you know that there's it's got to catch you. support. Yeah. That's it. I think from what I heard when they went there back in the day, um, there wasn't much support at all. So that was that was an issue there then. Cool. So um, I'll edit that bit out. <laughs> yeah. A bit of chopping and changing on that. Um, yeah. So apart from steeper tracks like Champery, are there any ones that? I can't. This is poor interview technique, listeners. You can tell this is my first go at this. Are there any tracks that you do have a feel of like, oh, I'm not into this one. Like this one's not my thing. Um, Am I going to struggle to? I don't. I think now, like generally, the World Cup tracks. Um, I enjoy. I do remember. So, for example, the other year Val de Sol, um, like I do actually like it there, mm -hmm. but it rained in practice, and I, the qualifying, yeah, it's the qualifying kind of practice morning. I didn't even feel like it was worth going up for qualifying because right. I just couldn't really get down the track. Mm -hmm. um, but it ended up trying out of it, and it was like one of the best qualifying races I had in my first year of junior. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, there's there are certain tracks that are just hard to ride fast. Yeah. Um, I think like perhaps Lenzer Hyde's one of those kind of ones where it's mm -hmm. a bit hard to kind of push, feel <laughs> nice on maybe. Yeah. Um, but no, I think generally there's enough kind of variation on all the World Cup tracks now that you know mm -hmm. there's going to be something that you're going to get on with. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I've, I've kind of got it pretty dialed in. I, like, it's just World Cup tracks are cool. Yeah. Um, you know, they're hard, fast tracks. Um, mm -hmm. And as a racer, that's kind of what you enjoy. So. Yeah, exactly. So in terms of like when you're not at the races, what sort of, what's your day-to-day -day kind of practice, training, uh, like so I work, work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I work part time in a garden centre. Yeah. Um, so it's not all glitz and glamour and race no, tracks. No, it's there not. Some, yeah, definitely not. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays I work usually. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so obviously that's just through the day. That's like nine till five thirty. Mm -hmm. um, and then in the evenings, I can sometimes get on with some training. Uh, and then Tuesdays and Fridays, I've got off as well as the weekend. Mm -hmm. Weekends, generally, I'll, I'll just ride. Yeah. Um, usually, like, it's nice to get out on the downhill bike. Mm -hmm. Maybe not kind of straight after the season or in the, in the middle of the off season. Like, it's not yeah. such an issue. But, mm -hmm. yeah, I like to get out on the downhill bike uh, at weekends. Um, yeah, and then on the Tuesdays and Fridays, it's good to get a bit of riding in and a bit of training in. Yeah. That's kind of that, really. Um, mm -hmm. I've 
got Alan Millway coaching me at the okay. moment for the fitness yep. side of things. So I kind of just like follow what he mm -hmm. he says um, if I can and if it works with with work. Mm -hmm. So usually just follow that. He's, he gives me a good plan. Yeah, um, and I I've kind of figured out how to work that with just telling telling him um, like my preferences for if I feel like I need to be doing more riding and mm -hmm. he can just implement that in there. Yep. So that works pretty, pretty so well. So as a kind of elite level training program, how much of it is just gym reps and working the gym and how much of it is kind of doing it training as in on the bike and uh, other things? I'd say it's fairly 50-50. Mm -hmm. um, like I make sure... I think, so it's, it's harder now. Now we're in the middle of the season, you want to get, there's times where straight after a race, race weekend, you're going to want to get a bit of rest in and, yeah. and then you're going to have those days leading up to the next race, mm -hmm. traveling or getting ready or whatever. But in the, yeah, in the middle of kind of the pre-season, I'd say I'd, it is pretty half and half. Like I'd, I'd want to be riding about four days a week. Um, maybe maybe a little fifth ride or, or something. Yeah. I remember I, was, I think I was trying to do like four days on the mountain bike uh, and I was doing an evening session um, on the BMX bike mm -hmm. or on the dirt jump bike. Yeah. Um, so that was pretty fun. And then some, some of the days like Tuesday and Friday, I can do both. Yeah. Um, so I can do fitness training mm -hmm. and ride. And then the other days I've got that I can also yeah. do some fitness training. So it, it does end up being kind of 50-50, but generally when you're out riding, it will take longer than yeah. when you're in the gym no, exactly. or doing a fitness so session. gym's a bit more condensed, isn't it? And yeah, focused that's it. on certain bits. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. How has that changed, like, training-wise as you've, as you're developing as a racer, I suppose? Because now, like, yeah, we're getting into a second season in elites. I don't know how much talk you get with other races, or even if it is a talker, but mm. how much kind of do you take from other races and like how they're approaching things and what's good, or is it a case of Alan? Because well, Alan Midway knows his stuff. Yeah, like <laughs> he's, he's trained no out about he's that. trained world champions. So yeah, exactly. I think you just, yeah, just for me, just what? follow what he's saying, but then also don't be afraid to give your opinion on like what you want as well, because mm -hmm. um, I like to make sure as well as. I want to be fit, but I also want to make sure I can ride the bike properly. I don't yeah. want to get back on the bike and um, be struggling technically. Yeah. And also, I feel like you can you can do loads of fitness training, but sometimes it doesn't translate perfectly to the bike. No, I've heard that a few times before. Yeah. A lot of people. Um, a lot of people are like, oh, I need to go in the gym and get big. I can't hold myself in technical sections. But I'm like, obviously, I've been in bikes since the mid-90s mm. and I've seen like pretty much been watching the World Cup the whole time and a lot of the guys who are at the top, they're not beefcakes. It's not like mm. some of the guys getting BMX who are muscular, explosive power. Yeah. It's a bit more that was quite a unique one and I think what it needs physically. Yeah. Quite different to most I think you can you can get like some different approaches as well. Although mm -hmm. having said that, like if you look at some of the top guys now they're they are so strong. Amory. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But then you've also got guys that um, you know they've got that technique to rely on as well, mm -hmm. um, but I think generally most people uh, doing well now are, are doing a fair.
fair amount of training. Yeah. So it's just kind of just, the way it's going now. Exactly. It's a very different... Um, World Cups feel very different to how they did, I think, back in the 90s. Yeah, and from the stories you hear, it sounds... Yeah. <laughs> definitely like, sounds like it's changed. Party time. Yeah, that's yeah. it. So in terms of once race runs are over, mm. um, obviously you came back from Fort Will, you came back Sunday night. Sunday so night, a yeah. bit of a mission. Um, other World Cups and things, How how is the general kind of pit atmosphere and what is the party lifestyle at World Cups so, like these days? Because I know I'll, there's still a bit of it, it doesn't seem as big a thing as it ever I used don't know. To um, personally, I'm not that into it a lot mm-hmm. of the time. Um, I've been out after two World Cups, but not like um, not been out just drinking or anything. Just just gone out, and it's <laughs> it is a bit weird to be honest. Yeah. Um, seeing seeing the state. Um, <laughs> seeing seeing the state it. of it. Yeah. 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 Um, I think there's still some people that party pretty hard, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Um, but no, I've, I don't know. It's, it just, for me, it's, it doesn't appeal quite so much. Yeah. Um, yeah, it gets pretty, pretty rowdy. I wouldn't say, I think there's still definitely like a, an after party vibe there. Mm-hmm. But no, like Fort William, we just had to go back anyway. Yeah. So that's just, that's just fair. how it was. Cool. So. I think we'll look at wrapping this up now. Right. So thanks for your time today, Luke. I think we might as well try and make it a regular thing. So yeah. I think maybe once you're back from the road hitting World Cups, I think yeah. we'll, we'll have a little catch up. Sounds good. Do a little World Cup update. So if you want to follow any of Luke's um, sponsors, Luke himself, you can follow Luke at, at Luke underscore Williams 14 on Instagram. You can follow the team at 555 Gravity Racing and they are supplied with frames from Raw Mountain Bikes at Raw with two A's Mountain Bikes. Cool. Thank you. See you next time, Lee. Yeah. Fist bump. No one can hear it, but there we go. Sweet. Thank you. Till next time, folks. That's it then. First interview in the bag. Wrapping this first episode up now. Hope you've enjoyed it. If you think there's anything I can do better, please let me know. Uh, You can follow Gromcast on Instagram at at underscore Grom underscore cast. You can follow me. I don't want you to miss me on there at at supergrom83. And I should also add, I've got uh, Luke's tag wrong there on uh, on Instagram. It is at Luke underscore Williamson 14. If you want to follow him on Instagram, please do. Um, he's a really committed racer and uh, all the support he can get can only be a good thing. So here we go. Signing out and we shall see you next time. Cool, so here we are then. Back with it for Gromcast. And we have with us Luke Williamson and... The lesser-known part of the, the Williamson duo, Francis Williamson. <laughs> Hello. Afternoon, fellas. Hello. Cool. So, um, should you have a bit of a season recap for Luke after a bit of, I'd say it's probably a bit of an up-and-down year last year? Yeah, I think, when did we last catch up? After Fort William. After, yeah, after yeah. Fort William. Uh, it was a bit, bit of a struggle after that. Mm. Uh, had a couple of injuries, one straight after the other. Yeah. And then struggled to get going again a bit um, until the last national of the season, which went quite well. That did go very well, didn't it? That, yeah. That um, bagged the overall, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that threw a bit of a positive spin on things. Nice. But yeah, it was pretty up and down. So, um, this season, mm-hmm. <laughs> when we get around to it. Yeah. Going to be a bit different this year, isn't it? 
um, yeah, I guess by so. the looks of things. Um, as a as a rider who's not right at the top end of the tree yet, I'll say yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's your initial thoughts on how they've what these initial changes uh, are going to kind of impact you? I I think there's all sorts of you could put kind of different spins on it depending on what your opinions are. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's going to be a lot harder to qualify for a, yeah. a main event, uh, the actual final. But at the same time, if I thought the best result I was ever going to get would be, you know, um, just inside the top 60 or, you know, just outside top 30, mm. um, I probably wouldn't be wouldn't be so bothered about carrying on racing so yeah um, yeah uh it's definitely going to make things more challenging but i think it's still that it's there's still some you know um some good aspects of it for those that are kind of between the, the top 30 and the top 60 obviously they've got the um the semi-finals yeah um, although it does seem like a bit of an afterthought um, looking at the point system, which I'm not, mm. not particularly impressed by. Um, not kind of that I'm angry with it. I just yeah. think it's it just looks a bit silly the way it all works. But um, they've still got the the semi finals. That's going to be broadcast for free and not hidden behind the the paywall. The paywall. Yeah. Um, so there's that still. It's it's not as though they're taking away the race from us completely. Um, but they're they're adding another one on. Yeah, um, more, more, I think my kind of take on it because there's there's a large chunk of points, isn't it, for semi-finals yeah. as well as finals. I so it's to, almost two races in a. Yeah, I listened to another podcast that said something like um, after seventh place, I think you earn more points in semi-finals than finals, and it just made me think like that. The point system just <laughs> it seems a bit stupid. Seems a bit, um, yeah. And also the fact that the finals is only like for the win, for example, they're only getting an extra fifty points. It seems like um, it's maybe not biased enough towards the final. Um, yeah, it's going to be a bit of a numbers game in some respects. Yeah, it is, it is a bit odd. I know someone, um, Ian Warby, um, had put together a spreadsheet. He properly nerded out on it to try and figure out who would have won the overall. Um, yeah last year and he like based it off of last year's results and somehow figured out if there was a semi-final and a final who would win i think it's still it still would have been amory that would have won it by a, a big chunk but yep. um yeah he he'd kind of put done a lot lot of work number crunching yeah um, to look into it an awful lot um francis how do you obviously as kind of a supporting parent because you've played a pretty hefty role in getting Luke to where he is. How, for other riders kind of coming into the sport, my kind of view is it feels like it's getting harder for up-and-comers to really get into that top end. How do you kind of feel it kind of affects yeah, I, younger I, riders and I, newer if riders? If I look at what I think I see coming, mm. uh, I think inevitably it, it will. I think... Seeing the bigger picture, of course, mm -hmm. um, Discovery have now got the World Cup, um, but Red Bull are pretty active out there still. Yeah. So uh, I think the World Cup 
is going to change it. And if I'm really honest, I see them going, I won't say the Formula One route, it's easy to say that, but yeah. I see it being more commercialised and I see them having less interest in the participants. So it becomes less of a participant mm -hmm. sport, if you want to put it that way, and more of a commercialised sport. Yep. I mean, if you look at what they're after, they're going to want um, enough riders for good content. That's it. Yep. Are they worried about all those numbers that have traditionally turned up? And you've mm. got to remember, in the last couple of years, we've seen huge entries. I mean, over 150 elite yep. riders turning up yep. um, for uh, the, you know, the elite class. And yep. I suppose... In some respects, the sport has been quite unusual like that because yeah. it's been fairly accessible. Now, those 150 riders are pretty good. They're all pretty good. The depth of field so, is huge these days. It's, yeah. it's massive. Um, but obviously, if I'm slightly cynical, the organisers won't need all of those. Um, they need six, 60 on yeah. the, well, I call it on the grid, but I mean 60 starters effectively. Yeah. That's what they need. Now, of course, it's slightly more complicated than that because they do need 60 starters. Mm. And if you look at the attrition rate through the season, um, there were certain teams, I think, had no one starting some of no. the races. Yep. Um, because injuries is still fairly high. Yeah, because there has the been sport. some changes on swapping riders mid-team yeah. last year. And I think it was the union ended up bringing someone in yeah. last year because someone was injured and yeah. couldn't and, race. And I'm, not, I'm not quite sure where that's going to go, but I think... Effectively, you know, you need more than 60 to make sure you've got 60. I yeah, think there was a, a rule um, brought in to do with um, substitution, I imagine. With mm. teams having to have, perhaps having to have riders. Yeah, like, I, my understanding was it was if they, if they are entered as a team, they have to have a rider racing. Yeah. And I think there's implications for them if they don't. Yeah, and um, that's and that's not uh, to be fair. I've seen that in other sports as well. Exactly, I sort of as an overall and seeing where I think where they're trying to push the sport. I don't think that's a bad thing. It's kind of ensuring no, a field, but yeah, I think I think um, you know there's some expectation that the team will turn up. And obviously, yeah. my background racing other stuff. Yep, uh, we saw some of that as well. Yep. The teams would be contracted to be there, mm -hmm. and effectively, part of their contract was providing a rider. Yep, and if their two riders were injured, for example, then yeah. Mm. at some points in time they might look for a third yeah. so I think um, it'll be an interesting numbers game from that point of view Yeah, I I'm imagining that we'll start to see less than that huge number of entries that we've seen mm -hmm. up and up until now just coming back to the, the more global scene though, where that mm. quite puts everything whether that ultimately becomes then an opening for IXS and Red Bull mm -hmm. and other things to bring some other series if i can put it that way or races yeah. into a bigger global picture yep because obviously one of the things certainly sitting in the uk and if you're interested in watching on television uh downhill really it was red bull and that was it red yeah. bull um and very much world Cup and that was it you would only i think that was very much only available to the mountain bikers the mountain yeah. bikers know that if you want to watch your downhill red bull's where you go if you're yeah. someone who's maybe been around of it and aware of it and you think oh, i might actually quite like to watch that you might not necessarily know where it is. Yeah, it was a little bit tucked away. <laughs> yeah, um, and I think obviously what they're trying to do now with the discovery thing is make it very much uh, accessible to the masses, mainly for the long term yeah, and, commercial. And I think, you know that potentially game. could be a fantastic thing mm -hmm. uh, because um, you know that the Red Bull 
offering was, was great because actually you could sit there for an hour or whatever long yeah. long it took to, and you get some pretty good viewing in a yeah. fairly condensed format. Yep. Um, it's pretty well produced. Yep. Um, so it was good viewing in that point, but quite a narrow um, mm -hmm. market end, if you like. Yeah. And, um, you know, how many people it actually got to it's an interesting point. And that, that's a slight imbalance, if you like, in my view, because it, the whole mountain bike market or participants is huge it's massive yeah um yet from a television point of view we're only seeing a tiny weeny bit yep um and so whether that could ultimately open things up we'll mm -hmm. see some new stuff some interesting stuff that might be a great thing mm -hmm. um because it actually might open a more opportunity up yeah uh, to a lot of people in mm -hmm. ways, and i think that would be a good thing i think they've just got to make sure that they can keep enough people or get enough people to, I guess, behind that paywall or yeah. that they can, um, that are willing to to pay to watch it. Yeah. Um, I know because initially very, if you take the pink bike comment section, it's a kind of <laughs> classic kind of, yeah, uh, I was looking, the amount of people, the minute it's like, oh, paywall, whoa, that's it, well, I'm not going to bother that anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, quite a lot of people will, if you're into something, will pay for their, yeah. you know, their, their 30 I'm subscriptions. I'm not sure, did they say how much or, it'll cost no, yet? No. I haven't actually looked it so, up into it to... and i mean that's that's mm. going to be price sensitive i would suggest yeah so if you look if you look at other sports i can call it that way i'm thinking moto gp in particular yeah. where you have to pay to watch anything yeah um but i think people are paying to watch it if mm -hmm. if, if what you're seeing is good enough mm -hmm. and it's tantalizing enough to exactly and it's exciting make enough you part with your money which, then i think that comes down again to where they sort of narrowed the finals field to 30. yeah Initially, I was very much kind of, oh, that's a bit, I'm not so sure about that. Mm. But if it's really truncating it to like the absolute cream of the crop, if you like, yeah. it's going to make very exciting racing. So as a product that's a lot easier to produce mm. yeah. broadcast film, it's a bit more what you want to put out there as there like are the a few, finished product. a few different action sports, well, motorsport in particular, mm. that are kind of behind paywall, isn't there? Yeah, well, it's the same as Supercross, isn't it? That's but it's Supercross behind. So, yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, some of it sneaks through on YouTube. Yes, yes, <laughs> so, yes. I may have stumbled across some free. Yeah, <laughs> Technically, probably not. But I think uh, you know, potentially, there are some there, there are some positive and negative sides. I think we're all a bit nervous about the new organisation yeah. and how it might pan out and how we'll be treated. Um, and there's obviously a fear that you know they'll only be interested in the big teams. Yeah, and if you're not one of those big teams, actually, they just don't care. No. Um, but equally, uh, they were going to have to still present, uh, you know, enough participants, enough teams, mm -hmm. etc., uh, to make it all happen. So, if the balance is it comes out right, mm -hmm. then I think it, you know, it could be it could be positive, um, and it's a move forward, you know, because uh, again, the Red Bull Red Bull World Cup thing was great. But it was it was quite limited in some respects. And you think, well, mm. where's this really going? It's it's yeah. It's it's so niche. Yeah, I, it limits itself. My thoughts on it is it's very it was very mountain bike audience centred. Yeah, really, I do feel that Discovery's taken a more of a a mainstream audience yeah. approach to it. It was yeah. a very interesting podcast went out. I think it was a Chris at downtime did one with Cy Patton, back because he's done a bit of commentary in the past for Eurosport mm. on the World Cups. Um, and he bumped into his neighbour after he'd literally done one because he was doing the commentary remotely. And uh, the neighbour was like, was that you, Cy Patton? <laughs> he saw the name <laughs> come up and he was like, yeah. And he said, also he, that guy had just been watching the MotoGP 
and then it went straight to the downhill was on straight after it. Yeah. And obviously, yeah, a lot of the, the millions watching dropped off, but a good the, the numbers were huge that still stayed on yeah. to watch the downhill. So the audience is there. Yeah. Um, and I think this year a lot of the nervousness is is this product going to be enough to we I think we all kind of know where their aims of getting yeah. it out there is it going to be we all want to make sure that product that we're getting is actually going to achieve that yeah um we, we were saying about the going back to like the getting into it and Red Bull perhaps being sort of more available to do other projects mm. one of the sort of the topics if you like all the points people have raised is at the moment it's very much there's a few national series and then there's the world cup there's not much of sort of a, a feeding system to go yeah to get to the top of that tree so like we've got a top of a pyramid there's nothing really kind of globally to really support riders getting into that yeah and i think you know the national series looks like it's picked up again at the moment mm. i think we're seeing full entries yep um and the entry quality's gone up so yep. that that appears to be quite healthy um, but that step then up to, to World Cup is quite a big gap. It's a big jump. Gap. Yeah. Um, certainly in terms of funding for the teams. Mm. And I think, you know, in the UK, obviously that's one area we struggle because if you yep. need to bring cash in, um, how are you going to get yeah. people that are interested? Mm. Um, and what are they going to get back in return? Yeah. Um, now, if you were going to say, well, I'm going to be, um, you know, in that last what last uh, 30 or whatever at, mm -hmm. at, um, the World Cup um, that's pretty good that might be something but what else are they going to get so because mm. effectively you've got to look at what your domestic presence is and then what your presence abroad is and is that interesting to people that might want to sponsor it you know, yeah. what are they going to get out of it um, I mean I think interestingly in terms of the actual events then we've done a few of the IXS events mm -hmm. in Europe and they're excellent yeah they're fantastic mm-hmm um, but of course, they're not. People don't talk about you know. It's no. not such a um, a known thing no. in the UK in general terms. So I think the events are there. It just depends on what delivery comes back mm -hmm. and what exposure it gives to the people that are interested. I think in terms um, of whether they get something from it. Yeah, I think gravity events are meant to be. Um, obviously, it's not on the same sort of scale, but they're going to try and live stream some of their racing on. YouTube and Facebook mm -hmm. this year, yeah. I think they're yeah. the two nationals that they're running. Um, yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's not on the same same scale as a no. as a World Cup, but, but whether it will kind of help grow the, the it sport needs someone to make yeah, to um, make that start because yeah. you're not going to know if people are watching it if it's be, not there to watch. Could be a really so. good step. I yeah, guess. I mean, Side yeah. Pattern did it. Even that was that. Was it Periscope? There's like that broadcasting app. It's like a lot sure. of broadcasting. I'm sure he did. And people, oh, like, yeah, the quality's a bit rubbish. It's like, there's nothing else yeah, really still from. Watch it. Yeah. yeah. Unless yeah. it's really, really bad. Yeah, unless it's terrible. I think people, yeah. will, people will still watch it. But I think, I mean, that's one point, actually. You know, the technology that's available to us. Yeah. You know, you, <laughs> I wouldn't say you could do it with your phone, but, you know, we're not far off that now. Yeah. In terms of, if you think back, you know, when I first started racing, you know, the BBC used to rock up with about 10 huge trucks yeah. and more cable than you could ever imagine yeah. to televise an event. And now really they can do it with you know, three or four cameras maybe, and et cetera. So it's, yeah. it's more doable. Um, we've obviously seen the UK Arena Cross series, yes. motocross, uh, as a matter of fact, that's been live streamed. Mm. Um, and that I thought was pretty good. I mean, it's mm. not quite on the same level as US Super, yeah. Supercross, obviously, yeah. 
But as a starter, I mean, it's much better than yeah, nothing at all, which is exactly. what we had before. It's just so, generating that interest and giving something to build on. Yeah, and I think if then they can make it work, then they can invest back in a bit, and then the yeah. production side of thing gets, can, gets a bit, can a go bit better. A bit. But, um, uh, I, I mean, I'd quite like to see that grassroots sort of coverage. I think that would mm. be really interesting, because you just don't see it otherwise. No. And one, one of my pickups from attending the events is people that attend, um, just say, a UK event, you know, typically... Most people, not all, are down the bottom of the hill watching the finish area. Yeah. And very often, some of the best bits of track, which are right up the top, very don't, few don't get seen. See them. No, it's all in my experience of big races, where the biggest one I ever went to is the World Championship at Fort Bill back in 07. And you sort of, as a, as a race spectator, you kind of time your, your trip up the gondola to kind yeah. of get up there, watch people coming down. So you're basically in the arena for the sharp end of men's finals. Yeah. Um, so you do miss kind of the real action on track but with the screens up you get in the yeah the story i suppose yeah. of yeah. the race those, um, big, those big screens everywhere are, are mm. concerned, i think um and actually i can remember being at monson tan um two years ago i guess maybe three years ago uh, i think Bruni won and actually i was at, at the top because i mm -hmm. walked up quite late and i wasn't yeah. too fussed about being in a big crowd at the bottom mm -hmm. And I remember being stood there, and it was almost no one there at all. Yeah. And through comes Bruni at high speed. Yeah. But it was like, oh, yeah. there's me and him in this space. And that was yeah, it. absolutely it was quite incredible. Um, but yeah, I think you know, there's 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 some good things which which could mm. which could move forward, and let, uh, let's hope they do. I mean, I think you know, there's a lot enough people riding bikes. There's enough people exactly. that are interested. It's just generating that bit more interest into yeah. the sports side mm -hmm. as well as the just general participation side yeah so going back to what you guys you mentioned earlier about how he treated his riders because there's been a bit of a kind of feeling of ruffling of feathers where as elite racers no one really knew about this until the actual public announcement was made no like the teams weren't informed first it was just discovery's got it now and and then it was a bit of a dead zone like there was no information coming out like teams didn't know and obviously, in the rumours start trickling through, things about a lot of fees going up, um, which again, that's kind of another one for accessibility. To the accessibility, in if they need to be making sure that whatever this product they're going to create this season is needs to be justifying the kind of what is an already an expensive sport to get into. If they're now ramping up the the team fees and things, people, are, certainly for smaller teams like the setup you're on. So we want to be, if we're paying this, we want something solid back from this. Yeah. Um, do you think it, that's, it's, it's going to kind of go over two ways, I think. It's either going to increase the kind of elitism, if you like, of the top ends, or it's going to be a bit of a wall, I think. Yeah, from, I mean, from it, the bottom end. It's going to be a wall pretty quickly because mm. the um, the cost of registering a team now is six thousand pounds. I can what it is yeah. something like that now. It's gone. It's basically doubled. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, to be really straight with you, we're not seeing anything back from that. We're not no. seeing double the. It, no. <laughs> double the pit space or. No, it's double the money just yeah, to be there. Just to yeah. be there, and so, the so rest that, is on you. That that is that has been pretty uncomfortable, I think, for everybody. Mm. Um. I mean, there was a series of meetings set up with the team managers yep. to try and cascade the data through to, mm -hmm. to bring them on board. Um, but like a lot of changes, I mean, people generally don't like change too much. No. <laughs> um, and I guess 
just the, the lack of information made everyone very suspicious. And of course, yeah. immediately you started talking about the entry fees doubling. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, everybody's getting a bit less than happy about that. Yeah. Um, so I think that's been the negative side. And as ever, you think this could have been probably handled a bit better, a bit more positive. Um, or actually, you know, do they just not care as long as they've got those big teams, job done. And, and that's the slightly more cynical yeah. view on it. But I think even the big teams didn't know that much. To no, it seems to be it was across the board. No one, yeah. <laughs> no one knew. Yeah, and I think, I think that's why um, everyone's a bit, a bit unsure about it. And I think the other point, even at the top end, so I think some of the top end riders are sort of questioning, you know, um, looking at what elite sportsmen get paid in other sports. Mm -hmm. and now we're getting an organiser that's television linked and all the backing. Yep. You, you know, where, <laughs> where's this going? Yeah, we don't seem to have quite got on the pay scale of these other sports. Yeah, We seem to be experiencing the, yeah, we're getting the, the workload, the risk and all the other stuff. Exactly. Especially with the risk in downhill is, it's not exactly small. <laughs> yeah, I would say, I mean, it's, it's pretty high because if you, if you look at the numbers we've seen, I mean, I think the chances of getting an injury during the season are very high. Yep. If you're lucky, you get away with not having any serious injuries. Mm -hmm. um, but the chances of bumping yourself or doing something, I think, are pretty high. And if you compare that with Formula One, for example, well, yeah, you can you can have a serious injury in Formula One. Mm -hmm. But the work that those guys have done to develop tubs, etc., that effectively yep. you can have a pretty serious crash and you can walk away. Walk away scot-free, um, yeah. So, you know, we're, uh, the risk is still quite high, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, and inevitably someone will say, well, you take it, you choose to do it. But, you know, um, let's not take ourselves back to Formula One in the 70s, which had that sort of attitude. Yeah. Um, let's be a bit more forward thinking. Um, yeah. Uh, and let's hope that is the way things go, that, you know, the organisers think carefully, um, look at the more rounded point of view for them, the coverage, Mm -hmm. and the participants yeah um and i think that would be a good thing good um as a rider yourself luke mm -hmm. has it changed your approach to now a world cup weekend because obviously the whole format is going to be very very different to the the, the previous routine obviously you've now effectively got three race runs in a weekend yeah rather than to be honest not not particularly. No. Um, the the semi-finals and finals will be on the same day, and mm -hmm. I think it'll be a case really of going about things similarly, mm -hmm. um, and just trying to almost treat you well. Obviously, you'll have the goal of getting through to the semi-finals, so you'll work and make sure you got everything dialed in to do that. And then the same with semi-finals to finals, really. Like, um, just put your best possible kind of race run into the semi-finals. And if that means you make it through to the finals, then great. At least mm -hmm. then, like, once you're in that top 30, um, you know, that's another chance then to score points. Mm -hmm. um, so you're already, that's kind of already a bonus just getting into that. Um, yep top 30 finals and then again just kind of putting your best run together um i think one of the things that could change things is just i think something to do with the juniors maybe mm -hmm. being like a day ahead with things so yes that could 
could be quite good actually, like getting to watch the juniors practice. Um, yeah, because previously the juniors is always it's just we know the results, but they're, they're just not shown. Yeah, again, another terms Early kind in of the morning. Yeah, <laughs> so it's a very different. Um, so I think it's good that they're going to get more of a a show for them, even yeah. if it might be like a highlights sort of mm. package, but we're still seeing the junior racing, which then gives the, mm -hmm. in terms of kind of building a product and like story of like individual races. I hate that word, so corny, makes it a bit journey, yeah. <laughs> like through the sport, it's creating more of a, which then builds the more of the overall kind of story through a race season. Yeah. I think it's a good thing to get them on board. Mm -hmm. um, and like you're saying, if you, if you are kind of concentrating on just laying down that good semi-finals run, Obviously, with the aim of getting through to the finals, but say in some ways the final is now almost just the yeah opportunity to score points. But also, it's it's the guaranteed full run mm. on the life. That I mean, my, so from the sponsor's point of view, yeah. And, for me, it's probably a lot different to say the top five guys that mm. um, they might have to change their kind of the way they go about things. I mean, some of those top guys might just be kind of thinking. You know they'll just put a re two race runs down and go as hard as they can both both runs, especially considering the the point scoring opportunities in the mm -hmm. semi-finals. But for me, I'm not quite in that group of riders. So um, for me, yeah, it's just kind of you're almost just each step is you're just trying to get to the next step throughout yeah. the weekend, I guess. One thing at a time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I personally, obviously, I'm not a racer. I haven't got enough of that, <laughs> that thing in me to like want it hard enough. But I think I wonder how it's going to change, sort of, whether some people are going to deal with it quite well. Because you've got mm -hmm. riders like Troy Brosnan, the classic like Mister Consistent, like mm -hmm. whether it's going to suit guys like him, or and maybe riders like Amory, who does slightly. I mean, watching Amory is great because it always feels like no matter what Jimmy's going on, Amory tends to take a bit of a shit or bust approach to kinds yeah, yeah. of his race runs. Whether how that how people's approach is going to change because the format change. Um, do you think having the semi-finals rather than just the finals? Do you think it takes away a bit from the kind of sort of core of downhill of that one chance to lay down a run or mm. or not? Mm. Because there's been a lot of talk about is it slightly changing like the essence of downhill yeah. or or not? Can you are you able to edit this? Yeah, yeah. I've got to jump off and go for a week. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> go. Yeah, some good ideas. Yeah, that's fine, man. I'll uh, let me. Yeah, so the essence of the sport is it? <laughs> does it kind of take away from that sort of one run to lay it down aspect of downhill, or is it still kind of? in keeping i guess it it does but it's also just change isn't it mm. um coming from i guess if you compare it to grassroots level actually yeah. grassroots racing you do two runs don't you yeah um, <laughs> but yeah i think it'll it'll change things um i'd imagine there's still going to be a goal and you know the kind of you'd have the most pride in winning the that finals run um yeah. and that would make you you know you are the winner on the day then but at the same time there's guys that could go away from a weekend 
having not won the race, but actually be best off in terms of points. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, like comparing it to say motocross, like in the MXGP, you can have a rider that they might not have won either of the races, but mm-hmm. they they'll actually win the, the the overall for that weekend. Yep. Um, without having won a race, but they because mm-hmm. they've scored the most points over that weekend and yeah, then they take the win. Um, I'm assuming things are going to stay kind of as they are in terms of well, the winner. Obviously, the winner is going to be the person that mm-hmm. that wins the the finals run. Um, but yeah, like I say, you could be you could could win the race, but actually, you've had someone that's um, that's actually kind of made more advances than you in terms of the overall. Goes back to that being a bit of a numbers game again, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I hope that's hopefully that's not an issue because. Um, Personally, I'm someone that likes to think about kind of doing well in the race and not not number crunching. So I think mm-hmm. that that's kind of brought up a point I didn't think about. Like, it'd be you know um, whether that will bring in like an extra kind of aspect of whether people are going to be number crunching and thinking about what to do over the weekend. Like obviously we've seen mm-hmm. some quite exciting like last races of the years. Yeah. Where, you know, it's it has been a thing that someone's got to finish in whatever position to to win, whether there'll be guys like at the end of the season that mm-hmm. will think about that throughout the weekend instead of just the finals run. Like, I don't know, but I quite like thinking about doing well in the race so hopefully it doesn't kind of change that too much cool um the other point i was going to bring up was of, uh, obviously with all of these changes it felt like there was a a bit of a push to get like, the riders union arranged mm. how involved are you guys with that not at all not at all no <laughs> not at all no. <laughs> cool. like, um in fact if anything i said it's gone quiet we've heard less about it recently than yeah. We like I, I think really. I only see or hear like. I probably. See s- similar to what, you'd see on social media or mm-hmm. like. I guess you'd hear, although I, like I'll hear rumors and or, not necessarily rumors like just, I'll hear what's been going on from what other riders have been saying maybe. Yeah. Um, but in terms of my personal involvement, um, no, yeah. <laughs> not because, and it's not like, it's not because I don't want to be a part of it. It's just, there's no, like, um, it doesn't, doesn't seem like it's fed back to, I don't know whether a lot of the kind of smaller teams, mm-hmm. is, it's the case or not. Maybe, maybe some it is, maybe some it isn't, but I, yeah, I'll only only hear kind of like stories about it or so on. Not like mm-hmm. I'm not involved in the meetings that go on. Okay, I don't think we're seeing any direct communication out of that organisation at this point. Okay, no. Yeah. No, no. no. Going forward, certainly as this season's going to be probably kind of 
the teething issue season. Do you think it's going it, to... It's good that we've now got this to make sure riders collectively have got more of a, hopefully, a say in things, because certainly at the moment where the changes happened fairly quickly when we were announced, it did feel a little bit kind of us and them. It's very much the riders who are effectively mm. the product. And then everyone who's whose race series it is, the UCI and the people who are broadcasting it, are like, right, well, we're doing this and this is how it's going to be. And it seemed to be a bit like, well, hang on a minute. Where, actually, where do we stand in all of this? We are what you're putting out. Without us, there isn't a thing to put out. How, do, <laughs> how are your thoughts on the kind of positive you're saying about how early on, how, how well it was handled in terms of announcing it and how, as a rider, how does it feel like UCI and Discovery how have they got your interests at heart in all of this, I suppose, is the question. How do you feel as a rider that they're going to be kind of delivering what you need and kind of supporting you in in some way, shape or form? Or is it... Yeah, well... Not quite down to the slaughter, I, but... I don't really like... <laughs> to, I don't want to form too much of an opinion because I don't mm. actually know how good or bad it's going to be. But certainly, kind of the way they started off things, um, I I wouldn't say it went down too well with the riders. Mm. And whether that's, you know, whether... It's hard to say, you know, whether that's because they're going to go about things in a way that the riders aren't going to like or whether it's just, you know, they they were just late with... Mm. announcing everything um you don't really know but certainly like i say like the way they they kick things off with um or lack of kicking things off yeah. with with the information that was like kind of a a bad way to start things because the riders were already questioning they weren't too pleased about the lack of information and then yeah. i think one of the the things that I guess came out fairly early on in terms of the information that came out, um, I guess, obviously there was a lot of talk about the team fees going up. So you had like delay of information yep. and then one of the pieces of information that, that did come out, I'm not sure, I don't know, I might be getting mixed up with the, the timeline of things, but one of the pieces of information that eventually did come out was that the team fees were going to double. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, so for our team, it's gone, has it doubled pretty much? Yeah. And then like, there's some pretty mad fees, I think, for the teams that have like um, yeah, all the, the different the types team. of yeah. teams like, like Downhill, XC, yep. whether, I don't know whether Enduro adds extra cost to it as well but mm -hmm. um that again was like another reason for the riders to start questioning things and then we find out that the prize money's not increasing and there was just yeah i guess there were there were like a number of different things that um gave the riders reasons to start questioning yeah. um and like I said, I don't want to form too much of an opinion because we might get that investment back, like the sport mm -hmm. might really benefit from what they're going to do. Um, 
so I don't want to like start slagging it off early. But I can, no, I think I can definitely quick, so. see why things have kind of started the way they have in terms mm -hmm. of like the riders not being too impressed with things, um, and obviously they've got their union to to push their opinions and stuff forward. Mm -hmm. um, cool. I think um, one of the biggest points such note also kind of rider safety because it feels like there's been certainly over the last last couple of years certainly taking like concussion for example there seems to have been there's a general real it feels like there's been a real base shift in opinion towards it from a the riders themselves b the teams paying the riders to ride it certainly back when i started in the 90s it'd be like oh yeah someone got a concussion in qualifying but they're still going to lay down a top 10 in finals whereas now people are like you're not racing it's just not it's just yeah. we just shouldn't be doing this um obviously you've had you picked up one in Champry last year was it mm. yeah um the other issues things like the whole saga of Brooke McDonald the other year with his back injury do you feel that they certainly with the a lot of the bias has been on coverage and extended team things like that do you think there needs to be more done in terms of rider ensuring rider safety as much as you can with batting a bike downhill as fast as possible but do you think there's enough in place with making sure that certainly like the first day situation with Brooke um, and general support from teams and the race organisers is going to improve or improve or well, I have I mean, no idea. No, I have no idea <laughs> yeah. whether it will or, or won't. I, I'd like to comment on that. Actually. Yeah, so, uh, I think my observation is we've seen at some events very good standard of medical care, mm -hmm. first aid, etc. We've seen at other events a different picture. Yeah, and one of the things I found most difficult to get my head around was that here we have a World Series, a World Cup series. Yep. But it feels like it's put onto the organisers at each event. It's left to them to do what they want. Yeah. And I say what they want, that's probably a bit unfair. What they can. Is probably what they can. Yeah. Uh, so, whereas, yeah. what I'm familiar with, mm -hmm. even in racing in the UK, yep. doing um, a top level series, mm -hmm. um, it was organised by one organiser and each circuit had to comply with certain criteria. Yep. They had to have X, Y, Z, mm -hmm. which might have included a standby helicopter, yep. ambulances, and there was like a minimum time, I think, for the doctors to reach an incident. Mm -hmm. Oh, fairly straightforward stuff. Now, yep. I think it's easy to get there, but for a world-level series, yep. I would question why that just wasn't in place as mm. a standard yep. for each and every event. And it clearly wasn't. It was clearly different from mm -hmm. one place to another. Um, so I think that's the one thing which definitely needs standardisation and a sensible approach. I think yeah. this year they are having like the the organisers um, where they're taking like more of an active role. I guess um, I think they are. It's going to be like the same team or at least a, a good chunk of the same team that are going round to all the different races so it would definitely makes sense for them to have mm -hmm. say the same team of medical professionals at all yeah. of the races or at least well. the same organization rather than yeah, yeah. um even, like obviously there's there's lo logistical issues with 
you know taking the same equipment to everywhere but i think mm -hmm. you know every country they visit they visit is going to have that equipment so if they had you know the same medical professionals at, at every race um and they'd sorted out access to the right equipment um to make sure everything was in place should something go wrong mm. um that definitely makes sense yeah yeah I, I always just thought that usually i should be doing more to have more of an approach like you said from like the motor gp and yeah, bike I mean, racing that it, kind of approach it, would make more sense because why wouldn't you downhill is dangerous <laughs> yeah it feels like they just you know there should be a minimum spec of you will have this yeah if you haven't got it you don't run the event yeah uh, and it needs to be as, as black and white as that i think unfortunately yeah i guess because of the way the sports evolved and grown up it's got a bit gray and yeah um so you know different things seem to apply in different places but if you stand back from it and look at it logically why would you have this level of safety at one place and a different level somewhere yeah. else um, it just doesn't make sense no particularly if you are wanting to say this is a world level series mm -hmm. um, in which case you'd expect the best of the best of the best I yeah i think for me because i've listened recently to podcasts with brooke because he's, he's done a couple of podcasts now we've talked about the whole series of events at monson mm -hmm. and and some of the stuff that was talked about just obviously there was the issues with getting a helicopter there and then like not being able to land a certain hospital and all this kind of stuff and long transfers but even just the initial getting him off the hill and what the medics there at one point were trying to do with him was probably not what you would think would be a good thing to do with an injury like he had that just felt like a real eye-opener of mm. hang on we've certainly like going into this season this stuff needs to be sorted because you're now asking for more money from the riders um it is meant to be a world level series and yet we've got people like brooke with basically other races around him arguing with the medical staff because they've got a guy who's basically broken his back and they just want to chuck him on the back of a quad bike. As a world, as a world level event, that just shouldn't even be happening. Yeah. There should be an absolute set in stone protocol. This is what happens if if this happens. Yeah, I think, and I think that it's quite logical that that should mm. be in place. And I think coming back to the money bit, if you like, yeah, actually. Yeah, I think we've seen um, the team uh, the team registration fees double, and I think we're all still looking around to say, okay, so where's it going? Where's it going? Yeah, you know, I think I think we just would like an answer. It would mm. be nice to know that um, there's a benefit of it increasing rather yeah. than it's just disappearing somewhere. Yeah, um, which hopefully it's not, but it will be good that that clarity was there. I think. Yeah, I mean, generally, I want to give this season kind of going at it with an open mind. It's very easy to kind of draw on the negatives and how it's been handled so far but you can I think it feels like the long term view I think is in the right the idea is right for where they want to try and push it and I think it's kind of the sport's got to the point where is that what it needs it just feels like there's a lot of stuff to really mm. nail down and get right for the sake of the sport as a whole and the riders because <laughs> I sort of don't like with the anyone you know <laughs> so more of it when i watch loot race when you have like motor lock at fort will that's pretty live that's quite a lively run <laughs> it's like i don't want you don't want to see your mates get down and then have like going at the floor hard and then have a complete fiasco if they do have something major happen mm. um certainly obviously as a as a parent <laughs> watching your watching your son race it's yeah i mean well i yeah as a parent as a team whichever mm. you you've your whole um everything revolves around that mm. that individual on that bike and you're trying to 
do everything to make sure they can make the most of, of their runs and, mm. and arrive in one piece um, yeah. for, from every conceivable angle. Yeah. Um, so I think within reason, everything that could be done should should be done. Obviously, mm. we try to make sure the equipment's ready to go, yeah. sorted. Um, and yeah, we'd like, wherever possible, the organisers to make sure their bit's done, yeah. which should be good. Um, it's always going to be a dangerous sport, but yeah. um, you know, you, there are certain things which are sensible to put in place, and let's make sure we've all put those in place, yeah. I think is cool. where I'd like to be. So we'll get off kind of the whole change subject because <laughs> I was going to keep this one to about an hour this episode because there's yeah. been a lot of podcasts on this. Well, yeah. It'd be nice to get someone who isn't yeah. at the top of the tree because there's been yeah. a lot of sort of, but it'd be nice to get more of a kind of sort of a... Yeah. And I think the views are quite difficult on the change too. It's, I know, everything's still, uncertain. some of it's up in the air. But um, going back to this season, um, going on tracks you've raced previously, are there any venues you're really looking forward to hitting um, this year, other ones you're less yeah. keen on. <laughs> so actually, last year I missed out on qualifying at Val de Sol mm-hmm. by hardly anything. Yeah. I was 62nd, and I think, yeah, it would have been like not a lot at all that I missed out on. No, um, was, that, was that the race? Ethan was on the same. You were both on like, the same. No, I, I think Ethan was. Uh, I think he sat out that one. He, he right. um, hurt himself at Worlds. Mm. But that one, I feel like, um, kind of going back there this year, there's just that track, there's so, I guess there's just like massive room for for improvement on that track. Mm -hmm. Um, Like so much time to be gained or or lost just because it's so rough, so gnarly, Mm -hmm. you know, it's natural. and yeah, I'm just I'm keen to go back there this year. Um, I want to go there real strong, um, with a good setup, and just kind of have another crack at it. Um, yeah. And yeah, I guess that's why I'm why I'm looking forward to it. Like I yep. I know that that last year I was really struggling there, and I feel like if I can go there with the confidence that I've got everything in place to, to do well there and yep. I'm not just struggling to hold on to the bike mm-hmm. um, going down the hill that, that that could be a good one so yeah. yeah that's like probably the standout one at the moment that I'm yep. looking forward to are there any other tracks where you're just like oh that's not really my bag that one <laughs> um, I don't know really um, I'm trying to think like Lenzer Hyde's the first one kicking it off. I think that one will be hard because it's. Mm. Um, I think I've only raced there the, the once actually, mm-hmm. um, and I crashed in the first turn in qualifying. Yeah. But it's one of those tracks. Like I don't know whether it will, what the conditions will be like, but when it's dry, it's quite. Um, like the dirt on top gets quite loose and like um, gravelly or or shaly almost. I yeah, think. a bit washy. Um, yeah yeah and then in the wet it's quite slick but it's also a track where everyone's like real close on time so Mm -hmm. that one's i guess yeah that one's like another it's just it's hard but for like completely completely different reason reason. um 
I really didn't enjoy snowshoe last year. No. <laughs> but I was, that was my first race back. I'd, mm -hmm. Like my confidence was awful and I was really struggling in, in the mud there. Yeah. Um, but like. I don't think you're the years, only one in that race. That one was hard yeah. for a lot of people years really struggling. previous in the dry, I, I quite liked it. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, definitely didn't enjoy it last year. Yeah. I think. Um, weather might be playing a bit of a role in the back end of the season this year because where the whole season sort of shifted back a bit we've got Monson and late in the year yeah um, I think that one could be a bit of <laughs> a bit of a pickle hopefully from yeah hopefully that's um, that'll all go ahead as mm. as planned because otherwise yeah that could be a I don't know yeah that would not be good if if everyone turned up there and it was snowing or something no I mean, that's not a yeah i'm not, <laughs> gonna be not a bit quite brutal. sure what the the weather will weather will be doing by that time of the year mm. but another we'll one see. just have to wait yeah and see, isn't it? um i think i did look it up because I, I think someone did say to me like something about um it's snowing at that time of year in monsonan mm -hmm. i think i did look up what it was like over there in i guess it'll be it's early october is wasn't it, it? yeah and I got the impression it wouldn't be that bad, but I don't know. I'm not, not a local from around there, so I don't know no, what it usually does. see how it goes. Cool. So, obviously, you got the you sewed up the overall at the, mm. at the British rounds this year. Um, are you racing the full season again of the Nationals this season? Uh, <laughs> or do as so many of them as you can? I might be... I'm not quite sure what the crack will be with... Um, mm -hmm. Riola, that's in like, I guess two and a half weeks time, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm still recovering from a surgery, so I'm not really sure. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know whether I'll turn up there or whether I'll turn up there and just do some laps and then go home and not really race or whether I'll be feeling it and race. But it all kind of depends on how strong and fit I'm feeling and how confident yeah. I'm feeling because um, I've not ridden a mountain bike very much at all in the past few months, so, mm -hmm. um, past couple of months. Uh, so yeah, I, I feel like last year I kind of ticked that box, so mm -hmm. um, more of a focus on the World Cups. focus on the World Cups, yeah. yeah. Um, if I have to miss that race, then that's all right. I, I don't really like going and racing somewhere if I don't think if I'm not going to do that well. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where, where I stand on it. But I'm entered for the rest of them, I think. So, yeah, cool. see how it goes. Cool. So um, as a your overall approach for this year, have you got any particular aims for the World Cup? Or bearing in mind we've got such big changes to it, is it going to be kind of a take it as it comes and just try and do as well as you can I think as so. it happens? I think that's kind of pretty much it yeah yeah just see how it goes try and try and come into it strong and fit and with yeah you know plenty of confidence on the bike mm -hmm. um and yeah just kind of like fix fix the issues i've had in previous years mm -hmm. and kind of go there with the belief that hopefully that'll mm -hmm. bring some better results with yeah. it you know you can do it you've had some really solid results yeah. Um, you're back on the Commonsole this year. Yeah. Yeah. 
And that's a bite I think you're pretty comfortable on because you've ridden the previous incarnation the season before and it's known it's a it's a good race bike. Yeah, um, that's that's what I got built up at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um we're still waiting on on the bikes to come. We've got them ordered. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, that's what we'll be using for downhill bikes. Um and yeah, they're they're a proven bike, so no excuses really on that. Yeah, on that it's all kind of, of uh, it's like yeah. I've had a very similar. I've literally just come from work for uh, recording this podcast, folks, and uh, had a very similar conversation with a lot of people. Are very keen to uh, for the grassroots rider. A lot of people are very keen to uh, blame it on either the trail, oh that berm's not built very well, or oh something wrong with my bike. And it's like, well, actually, if you just rode it a bit more <laughs> or maybe you went and booked some coaching at b1k.com with mark mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you might get a bit better um so when you speak to a lot of races like yourselves it's um i do like to hear how they've got this a nice methodical approach of working out which zones they want to which bits they need to build on mm. some of it's even things i haven't even thought about i very much think of it's very much like i need to focus on with me it's not dragging my brakes everywhere or just being a bit stronger but with a lot of races it's very much like not so much the riding but more like the whole kind of race craft of and their routine over a race weekend of being in the right headspace in the in the tent at the start and all this kind of stuff mm. it's I, imagine, I find the whole thing fascinating <laughs> so yeah, kind of how you deal that, with it i love hearing it because a lot of riders like if you watch them on their most local trails mm. um like it would probably be um you know, everyone would seem more more compact, and then I think you go to a World Cup, and then you do get that that opening maybe because you've got mm. got the guys that are good at the racecraft as well as the mm. riding. I think it's where guys like I think Minar have always been quite strong because he's just mm. he's so calm and kind of just knows what he needs to do. I can just seem to just flick that switch like I'm racing, I'm doing this, or I need yeah. to do this, and just does it. I think I think it takes quite a lot of racing to even get to that kind of that kind of point yeah i yeah. imagine he's definitely pretty dialed in by now um, yeah. i think yeah. the um the strategy to get to the package we're going to have for this year mm. i think we've well, you've certainly thought that one out um is it what's the right tool for the job yeah mm. um and i think if we look at world cups the answer is yes mm. we were doing the national series might be a slightly different mm-hmm. equation, but I think yeah. for the World Cups, it's the right kit. So um, hopefully we're actually going in with the right boxes ticked. Yeah, it's just one of those things to worry about. You know, like this hasn't got anything mm. potentially that could be an issue. It's just yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, the rest of the the bits on the bikes and like the the sponsors and stuff, like they're they're what you choose to to put on a bike, really. So mm. even even in terms of the stuff we're getting free, it's like no excuses. It's, yeah, it's the best. It's the stuff yeah. that you put put on your bike. So. Yeah, cool. So uh, to wrap it up, then, who do you reckon, <laughs> men and women's, who do you reckon is going to be in contention for overall this year? No idea. No, yeah, I'm not sure because wow. <laughs> like, there's I too got, many things to change this year. Yeah, it's prob- probably the same same people as usual. Mm. Um, I guess you gotta gotta think about the the consistency side of things, but yeah, I think generally it will be that that same kind of little little group at the top, little mm-hmm. 
will have a good one there's but as with most years there'll probably be someone that will break out and have a someone's gonna find their groove and i know hmm. thinking about it like last year you had andy kolb with that string of podiums all in a row like that was things cool. change from, from <laughs> yeah. year, year to year but i imagine yeah. he would have done like pretty well o overall yeah based off of his ability to like get on the podium just, yeah just constantly yeah um, getting on a roll and kind of going with it isn't it yeah right. but then there's you know there's other guys that were finding their form at the end of last season so mm -hmm. it'll be interesting same think, same think... with the women really like there's there's there'll be the ones that are, are more consistent but then there's you know they'll be be the ones with some you know some real raw speed that when they put it together can yeah can have a real good good few races so yeah i don't i don't like to to guess <laughs> and stuff, not a I betting can, man <laughs> I, I prefer to like just guess in my head and not yeah not say <laughs> that's fair enough i think the interesting thing would be uh you know we talked about it before um, mm. the guys that work under stress and yeah we, we know bruni for example mm -hmm. when the when the pressure is really on, I mean really on, world champ specialist, he rises to yeah. that occasion. Um, Greg, G, yeah. all riders of that same sort of yeah. mindset. But yeah, so I think it'll be an interesting balance because you might you've you've got those guys that rise to the occasion, and mm. then actually, as we've talked about, the, the points may mean that some of the mm. other ones that are just consistent will, I mean, will be there as well. That mm. is something it's very open. Mm. You could get people start to run away with it a bit because. You'd think if you were going into a season hoping you were going to win and you had a real bad race, you've then got like double the, almost double the points that that you've lost out on. And all of a sudden you, you could be a massive chunk behind. And once that's in your head, then. Yeah, that's going to, it could. It's going to play around yeah. <laughs> with your mind a bit, isn't it? So that could change things. We shall well. see. Season of change. Season of change. And a late year, start too, relatively. Yeah. Which changes things as well yeah like, i imagine a lot of people certainly the people who were building up momentum at the end of last season season finishes all the changes get announced and it's like oh bugger yeah, <laughs> you want, yeah they sort of wanted to yeah. be less easy to carry it over but uh it makes quite a long season though because obviously some people are hard at it already yeah um but then world cups is a little way off it is still, so it's um, a very different game this yeah, year but yeah. we shall see we shall see